0: Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 129, as always, I'm joined by Jordan. Great to be here, Jared. I'm glad to have you here on the
1: show. How are you doing today?
0: (laughs) Good. I'm glad this bit's heading into 2019 with us. It's great. Um, (laughs) We just packed it up and took it with us. Yeah. uh, Happy birthday to Dom. He's not with us this week because he's celebrating his birthday. Hopefully it's a good one for him. He's turning 45, believe it or not. No, he's
1: not. That's a big one.
0: Yeah, the big 45. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's his always talked
1: about, back in the day, Dom always talked about being 45 and how excited he was, so I'm glad he got there.
0: Yeah, I'm glad too. It was a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he won't be with us this week. He'll be joining us again next week. Uh, let's hop into what we've been playing. So for me, a uh, pretty slow week in terms of playing new things. Um Celeste came out for Games with Gold on Xbox, so I definitely downloaded it. It's one of my Game of the Year um, selections for 2018. And I figured I'll just play it again on Xbox. Sucked me in. Nice. Beat it, beat it again on the Xbox because um, I had the added incentive of achievements, right? I don't really have that on Switch, so it's like it gives me a reason to want to play it outside of it just being a great game. So I played through it, got all the achievements for playing through it normally. Now I'm going through and getting the collectibles and doing the B-sides, which I'm, you're familiar with the B-sides, right? Have you heard about the B-sides on Celeste? Uh, they're like bonus levels. So it's essentially every level, every chapter, maybe not every chapter, but like most of them have uh, a cassette tape you can find. And when you find it, you unlock the B-side. And it's essentially a remixed, reimagined version of that chapter with the difficulty bumped up pretty heavily. So it's something you want to go to after you finish the game because it takes using all of the mechanics you've learned throughout the game and your tricks and tips that you've kind of picked up along the way very much harder in terms of difficulty than the regular chapter. Um, so I've been playing through those. The cool thing is since those are so difficult, you get an achievement for each one you complete, um, whereas you don't necessarily wow. get an achievement for all the chapters, I don't think. If memory serves me correct, maybe you do.
1: So is it more like a mini-chapter, mini-bonus
0: chapter almost? It's it's essentially just giving the chapter's replay value. So it's like chapter 1 is a regular level, and then chapter 1B would be the the B-side. Um, mm. And it's it takes a lot of things that are familiar with that specific chapter, like maybe the types of obstacles or the new mechanics they introduce in that specific chapter, and they turn up the difficulty tour. You kind of have to be way better at um, doing those things that they teach you. You know what I mean? Um, right. Yeah, so... They're really fun. They're really difficult. Um, Obviously, in PlayStation, they show you the percentage of the trophy um, in terms of how many people have completed it, right? If it's hard or ultra hard. I don't think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, when you actually unlock the achievement, or sorry, the trophy, it doesn't pop up and show you that, right? You have to go into the trophies to see that.
1: Oh, yeah, you got to hit that PS button for sure.
0: Yeah, so on Xbox when you get a rare trophy it actually shows you the percentage when it pops up on screen, which is really cool. Yeah. So it's like I don't have to and dig into that, the achievement.
1: Once again, I just want to reiterate how much I love uh, the progress bar that PlayStation doesn't have. Yeah. That you get over for the Xbox achievements, I think that's uh, like no brainer, I guess. It like like you could say it like ruins the mystery of trophies if that's a thing, you know, but I like the progress bar, especially when it's something tedious.
0: Yeah, and obviously the cool thing with Xbox 2 is if it's a rare achievement, if it's under 10% of people that get it. I think it's 10. It's either 10 or 5. Um it has like a diamond when it pops up, right? And for all Ooh. of the B-sides, they're less than like 3%. I finished Ooh. the first 3 B-sides, so it's you cool when it's a diamonds. Exactly when you finish it and you're like already feeling accomplished because it's super difficult But then the achievement pops up and it's like oh I got the achievement, but then you're like oh It's a super rare achievement, so it's like added on right um, It's the game's fantastic if any of you have Xbox live and haven't played Celeste give it a try download it and check it out um, I think it's one of the best mechanically platformers I've played in a very long time and it has a really engaging story it might not necessarily connect with everybody because it is a little over the top in terms of hitting you right in the mouth of what it's trying to convey in terms of anxiety and self doubt and all of these kind of mixed messages you tend to send yourself as you're growing up. Um, yeah. But I really connected with it and I enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, it's a fantastic experience. So just enjoying playing through Celeste again. And the other thing I, will I got say, to
1: just with Celeste. It's one of those games that you know came out so early last year. I kind of unfortunately did forget about it. So I'll definitely be playing it on Switch at some point, but um, that is one that I'm planning on circling back on.
0: Yeah, and the game does get more difficult as it goes on, but I, do, I love the game design because it does an excellent job of laying the seeds early on in the story and early on in the levels of these mechanics or these kind of objects you're going to have to interact with, and it slowly builds on him throughout the game. Really phenomenal game design in my opinion. Uh, It's just an all-around great game. Where was it on your ranking? I think I had it six. In hindsight, it might be higher than that. The problem, like you just talked about, it came out so early in the year. Yeah. Like, if if I would have replayed through it again on Xbox at the end of the year or before I did my game of the year, I think it would have bumped it up because right now playing through it again on Xbox, I'm like, man, this might be in my top three or four. Like... It's just I played it so early last year that I kind of lost steam on it. It's not because I don't love the game. It's just you, it, you know, the bias of like new experiences as opposed mm. to something you played way long ago. And I kind of no. I think it's a lesson I learned in doing due diligence to try and go back and not forget those early experiences in the year, you know? Right. So, if you could
1: choose between. And let's say you have the achievements over on Switch. Is that the best way to play it?
0: Uh, like if there were achievements?
1: Like Xbox achievements. Because I know you love achievements, so I know that would be a caveat always. But I guess for me, since I don't care about achievements, Switch is the way to go, right? Because Oh, yeah.
0: It's the, um,
1: it's the I mean, Switch you, bonus, whatever you want to call that.
0: Even for me, somebody who does love achievements, I chose to play it on Switch. And then now, I, I didn't even buy it on Xbox, right? I got it for Xbox... Games with gold. None of that's not sure. worth the money, but I already experienced it on Switch, and uh, I just got lucky that they added it to Games with Gold. But uh, yeah, it wasn't Switch, hundred percent.
1: Exclusive or anything? It,
0: uh, it was, was timed. I think it was timed. Oh, okay. Yeah, not a long uh, amount of time, but I do think it came out on Switch, and then a month or two later, it came to other platforms. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it came to Switch first. Um, but yeah, okay. Switch, no matter what, is the I think the place to play it. Um, there you go. Just because. I'm not going to lie and say it's an easy game by any means. There, later in the game there will be parts that you might get a little frustrated at and have to continuously retry, right? And I think having it on the go works to its benefit with that because you're like, oh, I have some time to kill. Let me try that part I couldn't get past, right? And pop so, it open and try it again. I'm glad
1: you <laughs> said it that way. How do you feel about Smash Bros. on the actual mobile Switch? with your joy cons
0: connected um i don't like it at all i usually just play it on a pro controller on my tv um i shouldn't say at all i mean it's not bad it's just not my Mm -hmm. preferred way of playing smash i guess i came a little too definitely not
1: but i think it's super workable i think it's like i can get i need to get more used to it i need to get better at the game i'm still not where (laughs) i want to be but um i think i can get used to it enough and yeah like Pro Controller is always the way to go. I mean, some people like GameCube. That's fine. But, uh, yeah, I think, obviously, if you have the choice, Pro Controller at uh, home.
0: I will say, uh, I do think it's a better experience than Smash on the 3DS, in my opinion, because I own Smash oh, on the 3DS yeah. as well. And that oh, yeah. was really tough for me. It just didn't feel right. It was kind of clumsy. Um, yeah, I don't dislike it mobily. It's just, for me, preferred 100% of the way uh, Pro Controller on my TV <laughs> Um, what kind of 3DS were you playing it on? Um, the newest, the 3DS XL. I had the big boy, the beef boy. The new 3DS XL with the nub? No, no, no. The second to last 3DS. Okay. The second to last so, 3DS XL, yeah.
1: I don't know if it makes a difference like size-wise or whatever. It was less clumsy than I pictured it being. Yeah. Of course, it's nothing compared to actually playing it on a home console like the Switch. Um, but uh, more enjoyable. I had a lot more fun uh, with the 3DS version than I thought it would.
0: Yeah, for me too, I don't. I didn't. The flat joystick on the 3DS wasn't a huge issue for me for a lot of games, like the stubby joystick. And I think yeah. for Smash specifically, that's where I found a lot of my discomfort with it. Whereas obviously the mm. Joy-Con has a little bit more extended. Um, yeah, but I prefer. Uh, console version, but mobile isn't bad. I came a little strong there of like, ah, oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's not awful. It's just <laughs> not my preferred. Um, the other thing I played, because uh, I wanted to get around to it, is the 30-minute one-shot RE2 demo. Um, I might get a lot of flack for this, but I've always thought that the older Resident Evil games don't hold up. Um, that was just my opinion, seeing like footage of the game or seeing people playing it. I eventually got around to playing the Resident Evil Remake. Um, mm. Remember,
1: Jared on this show, it's resident evil.
0: What did I, Oh, you have to say it specifically like that resident. Well, you don't have evil. to like
1: actually say it like that, but it's still, I hear it every <laughs> time someone mentions it on a podcast. It's resin evil.
0: Uh, okay. Resident yeah. Evil. Enunciate. Uh, so yeah, uh, I tried the resident evil, um, Remake. Sorry, I told you about my brother asking me about the Resident Evil
1: series, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I remember ones. you bringing okay, up that yeah, story. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry.
0: Uh, Pine Resident Evil. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't like the the static cameras. I didn't like the controls. Uh, I just didn't think the yeah. shooting mechanics were very good. Just Even though and, they're
1: updated, it's all still tough to do, man.
0: And I, I definitely think that Resident Evil is one of those games that or the series, I guess it gets better as it goes along in terms of controls, Um, but unless you have that nostalgia attachment to it, I think it is hard to go back and play it. I played Resident Evil Remake, which was a remake of, so it was actually improved on the original, right, in terms of all of that stuff, and still didn't feel right to me. Um, I just didn't like it. I know people love the series. So with Resident Evil 2, with this remake coming out, it looks gorgeous, by the way. It's the best Absolutely. remake they've ever done, and I love Resident Evil Seven, and it's using a lot of that engine. Uh, it might be the same engine, uh, you know. I don't know how oh, exactly yeah. they went yeah, about Yeah, it. it is. Um, so I played the one shot demo. I think personally, engine, I think. it. I'm glad they changed it to where you don't have to stand still to shoot necessarily. That's another part of the franchise that's oh, weird for to sure. me. Of like think, stop, yeah. aim, shoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awful. Because yeah. um, like.
1: Very unrealistic if you if you think about it, you know, like obviously you can run and shoot at the same time. You can move around and pull a trigger, you know.
0: And I do think another problem I have with the series is that um especially in this demo too, I realized that these zombies are kind of bullet spongy. Like you have to go in on them and Headshots. In my opinion, and I know I'm gonna get flack for this, I think it's lazy game design for the simple fact that I think now that you're bringing this into the modern age and you're kind of tweaking the controls that are not as slow and cumbersome, it's not a very long game. Like even the director came out and said, even with this remake, it's like five to ten hours between each character. So it's like twenty hours, right, between Leon and um, what's her name? Uh, Valentine. Is it Jill Valentine. Uh, Jill, yeah, it's Leon and Jill. I'm I'm pretty sure. Jill so it's not Valentine. a very long. It's not a very long game. And the way you kind of counteract that, for a game that used to be really slow, right, is that... And I know they've always been kind of bullet-spongy, but in this one it kind of seemed pretty evident. Is yeah. you make it so the enemies aren't that easy to defeat. And obviously limiting ammo has been a, a staple of Resident Evil. So
1: Another thing is like, I think a lot of... It seems like the long-time players will not even necessarily always try to kill... Certain zombies in certain situations—they'll just run get by past them. Yeah, they'll run by them or give them a bullet to slow them down and then get past them, something like that. Because, it, like the the line of survival in the earlier games, it seemed like was um, uh, really interesting in the way that you know it was kind of intense, I guess.
0: So I won't be picking up this game. A, for the simple fact that it comes out really close to Kingdom Hearts 3, so I can't really yeah, you know, justify buying two games back-to-back like that, especially if one I'm really right. not interested in. I do want to get RE2 Remake down the road on a sale. I think I want to eventually get yeah. it. But this kind of solidified a lot of my opinions about the old school Resident Evil games. Um, this one obviously does a lot to fix a lot of that stuff but the bullet sponginess is still there um it still is a little bit awkward in terms of movement it's definitely not as bad as they used to be but it still doesn't feel necessarily like a modern game in many ways which is you know even when you remake a game from the ground up is you're going to have some of those things you want to keep in for legacy purposes but yeah it was exactly what i expected it to be um the animation, I will say, for the zombies is really cool. There was a gift that went around on Twitter of the guy shooting the zombie in the stomach with a shotgun and he splits in half and he continues to crawl on the floor at you. Really gory, really awesome. Um, nice. I do think people who loved Resident Evil 2 are going to devour this game. Shout out to Michael Huber and these Allies guys. But for somebody who doesn't have attachment to um, or nostalgia for the very like clunky and cumbersome behaviors that this franchise had early on... It's not getting me day one. You know what I mean? So it was a cool demo, though. I do love the idea of, like, you have 30 minutes to play this demo and that's it. I think that's really cool. I mean, the fact that they have a demo period is uh, rare these days, which is kind of odd because I remember the days of every game having a demo, but... Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. I wanted to get to the DMC5 demo, which you can no longer download if you never... You can no longer find it in the shop and download it, but if you already had it downloaded, you can play it and download it again Mm -hmm. if you already had it in your Mm -hmm. system for your account. Um, I've had it downloaded for like two weeks since it released. I just haven't gotten around to playing it. The reason I want to play that demo is because DMC is also a series that always looked like it didn't fit... What I like to do in video games, or how I like to play, but I've never actually played Devil May Cry, so I feel I can't really. I want to see where my opinions land um, in terms of getting well, my hands like, on it. So
1: you're a fan of uh, OG God of War trilogy,
0: right? Yeah, but this is very like that's. It's the same style of game, but way more westernized. This is very Japanese, and it always has been. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for me, in a lot of cases, with RPGs or even, like, these types of uh, combat, outside of From Software, because I think they're an anomaly, mm. I always tend to go more towards westernized than Japanese. Even, like, yeah. um, the, the the Bayonetta's and the uh, the Platinum games, yeah. those yeah. never really interest me. The Yakuza's, which are RPGs, like, I'm way more western than I am Japanese in terms of taste. So, I love God, the early God of War games with... Bayonetta, uh, sorry, Devil May Cry, I always just look like, mm, nah, not for me. <laughs> you know? We'll see. yeah. Interesting. But I'm willing to try it, so I'm going to get around yeah, to that yeah. this week, hopefully. Um, well, that's hey, it for at least me, though. Shout
1: out to Japan for coming through with the demos. You know?
0: Exactly. Sh- shout out. Shout out to Devil May Cry for revealing itself on an Xbox stage. Crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And hey, we might see something Resident Evil announces here at E3 on Xbox's stage because PlayStation isn't doing it. Um... So, if they had something to announce, you know. Um, that's it for me in terms of what I've been playing. Read comics, watch movies. We have quite a bit of news to get to, so I kind of don't want to go in on that stuff. Um, but yeah, had a decent week. What about you?
1: So, I have been playing a little bit of a couple different things, but uh, most recently finished the final expansion for uh, Spider Man PS4. And that is the Silver Lining DLC, which concludes the City That Never Sleeps saga, Jared, as it says at the end. Uh, gives you a little prompt. Saga. Good word. Yeah. Um, so, it uh, involves... You finished the first two?
0: Yes, I finished the first two. I just haven't started so, the third.
1: I'm sure you've seen promotional material where it involves uh, Silver Sable and... Uh, Obviously, Hammerhead's been a big part, and his gang has been a big part of uh, this whole uh, turf war that they've had going on. That was another one of the um, expansions. So this one, I think they were all, you know, solid. I think you can agree the first two were solid. Do you like the first two, Joe?
0: Yeah, I think one was stronger than two uh, in terms of, like, all of the extracurricular stuff they added, I think two... I will
1: say I've only done main story with all three. Okay. Personally.
0: For two, I think the extracurricular stuff uh, got a little ham-fisted. Like, some of the, okay. the challenge areas are not fun, in my opinion, which is crazy, because I love almost all of the challenge areas in the game. Just some of them were huh. kind of cumbersome and just didn't feel good. Um, there's yeah. one in, like, this, like, parking, like a... Um, I keep wanting to say janitor. Mechanics, like, garage area? didn't Wasn't really gotcha. a fan of it. Kind of bothered me. I did gotcha. like the story more in the second one than the first one. Not that the first one was bad, but I did enjoy the actual narrative in the second one. Probably because it focused more on... Um, was the first one... I'm trying... I'm, now I'm beginning to confuse. confused. First one's Black Cat.
1: Second one is... Hammerhead, and the third one is like mostly Silver
0: Sable and some Hammerhead. Is the second one where you find out that she has a kid? Or is it the the first first DSL? Okay, uh, so...
1: Black Cat's not in the second one.
0: Yeah, so I did get him backwards. So yeah, I would say I really enjoyed the first one completely. Second one, I didn't enjoy the extracurricular stuff. The story was good.
1: Yeah. Cool. So I would say with this one, you know... Like we said, you know, they're all solid expansions. Obviously, it's a great fucking game that you're playing. Um, The suits are cool. And uh, a couple things I didn't love. I think you've played at least enough to know, like, these um, sable, armored-up guys with, like, the hollow shields. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, And they're, like, racing through you. And now there's, like, the brute version of that. Um, A lot of the fights just get really overly complicated and it's not like the frame rate breaks down or anything but um sometimes there's just too much going on screen there's beeps with the bombs going off and you know lines being screamed in the background and all this shit going on they're the worst enemy faction so it's like I understand a lot of this this uh expansion really you know how I talk about um trying games should be wary of like um leaning on their weak points and i felt like this is exactly what that was where these battles were i mean yeah they're difficult they're not you know anything that you can't you know get through but they're just the, just way too much going on and it just gets to the point where it's chaotic and you know it, it becomes unfun so um unfortunately i didn't love that part but uh, it wasn't like I said it wasn't like detrimental um, but like I also said it was certainly um, playing to their weakness so then another thing that I wasn't a fan of I felt like for whatever reason spider-man specifically his dialogue in the story uh, was pretty poor uh, for whatever reason like the jokes of his and you know of course Yuri the actors delivering delivery was fine but it was just i felt like uh it wasn't the acting i felt the writing was uh, very poor for spider-man's character specifically so um, that's pretty much all i've got to say i will say it didn't leave a sour taste in my mouth Um, i think overall you know it's my favorite game of last year and, uh, as a season pass with all the suits and the story expansion, I didn't even touch the side stuff, but I'm sure generally that stuff is, uh, of a decent quality. Um, I think it's a great season pass adding to a great game. Uh, my favorite game, like I said, so, um, yeah, it concludes the city that never sleeps saga Jared. So, um, I'm sure you're going to be playing that soon.
0: Yeah, probably Not in the next long. week or so. That and the DMC5 demo I just need to get to.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, about the same. Might be a little bit longer the story. Might be a little bit longer than the first two expansions. Um, but, you know, a couple hours or so at the most. Um. Anyways, what else? I've, like I said, just been kind of bits and pieces with games. Uh, my brother was over here yesterday playing Smash Bros. with me. I've been messing around. uh, kind of mentioned earlier talking about uh playing i guess it's handheld mode i always kind of like come to that and, and wonder what to say right handheld mode i was playing handheld mode in smash bros um you know and watching something on my tv in the background so um a little bit of smash bros and tetris effect kind of had me feeling for Luminesse, So i've been playing that and actually getting better at Lumines. Um, just like Smash Bros, these are games that I want to get a lot better at because uh, I like them. I enjoy them, but I'm just uh, not super skilled in them yet. you know, I'm, I'm learning as I go. So uh, Luminous, I'm is actually a pretty hard game uh, as far as like how it allows you to unlock levels and, and progress in the single player aspects of it. So um, getting there with that game. Um, Then I was telling you before the show, having download issues with my Switch. Um, My home internet was fine, but the Switch itself was having issues downloading Bayonetta, so I haven't got to that yet. And um, did I mess around? Uh, I messed around with Red Dead a little bit more. um, Just story-wise. And then... Uh, a little bit more Valkyria Chronicles. Like I said, I was kind of just um, messing around with things, I guess is the best way to put it. I wasn't really digging my heels into much other than Spider-Man.
0: Yeah. you want to hop into the news? Anything else? Uh, I mean, like you
1: said, there were movies watched and comics read, but there's no need
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're actually going to be hopping into quickie news before we have three big stories to get to, like pretty meaty stories. Uh, but I wanted to get to some of these smaller um, pieces of information that kind of broke over the last week or so. Last Game week was beef, Eve. Jared. Last Game week we, we did Game of the Year, right? So it's been two weeks of news buildup, right? There you go. Yeah. You go. So first up on the quickie news, uh, Take Two and the NBA have re-upped their partnership for the 2K series. Um, it mm. costed take to a whopping 1.1 billion dollars over the next seven years. Um, NBA is growing pretty rapidly. It's still not even close to the numbers that the NFL pulls in, but the uh, the NBA is easily the number two sport in the United States. So it does right. it doesn't surprise us. Um, the 2K series has been phenomenally successful. They set a sales record this year. Remember we reported on that after the game had mm. come out. Um, yeah, it's crazy that. 2K is like $1.1 for the NBA license? Sure. You know? Um, with NBA Live not being great <laughs> and 2K kind of carving a dominant path, it's like, of course we're going right. to be up for seven years. Um, a dominant path. Uh, later on in the news, we're going to be getting to another partnership that hasn't necessarily worked out. But uh, this one between Take-Two and NBA has been pretty profitable. Um, so...
1: I think there were multiple partnerships that haven't uh, worked out recently, Jerry.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot. We're going to be talking about actually two partnerships. Um, Next up, uh, Superdata, which obviously looks at a lot of these numbers of revenue that these companies bring in in terms of video games. They kind of focus on free-to-play. They had some numbers for 2018 that were kind of interesting. Um, So they reported that Pokemon Go, this is for free-to-play games, Pokemon Go brought in $1.1 billion dollars. League of Legends, it, it gets uh, higher. League of Legends brought in 1.4 billion dollars. You know the game no one talks right. about that still is just going crazy. People love the esports with League of that Legends. Cool music video you saw that, Jared? Oh uh, KDA, yeah. Um, <laughs> and lastly, uh, the number one because these were the top three. Fortnite brought in a whopping 2.4 billion dollars. That's ridiculous. 2.4. That's I gotta say
1: i'd just like to jump if we could uh kind of imagine adam sandler in the movie click jared with his his remote yeah yeah so we're just rewinding and let's go back to before Fortnite was released um i mean is it released now who knows (laughs) god but uh you know what i mean like even before early access right yeah and I was like, God, this game's been in development for so fucking long, and it looks cool, and it's a cool concept of like building a Ford and trying to, um, what are you like, keeping zombies out or whatever originally?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the game was announced by Cliffy B. Just put that into perspective when he was still at for Epic. Epic Games. So yeah.
1: it's been years and years and years, and um, I had no no clue that it would just. Somehow connect with this whole battle royale thing and then skyrocket from there. So
0: it's funny that you bring right. up Fortnite. So often we get lost in this discussion of, you know, people are saying, "Oh, Fortnite's overtaken PUBG, and Blackout came out for Call of Duty, and you know, PUBG's is just failing." Where is it? What's happened to that game? It's easily third in terms of what uh, you know profits or what's happening with the the like battle like royale baseball. genre. Which isn't actually the case because they also posted their premium revenue. So this is games you actually had to purchase, right? Whereas those other numbers were for free to play. You want to know, I'm going to go from 5 to 1, okay? Number 5, Red Dead Redemption 2, $516 million. Pretty impressive.
1: Came out at the end of the year, yeah.
0: Number 4, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, $612 million. This is for 2018 specifically. Number three, Grand Theft Auto V, six hundred twenty-eight million dollars. That's great. Number two, FIFA eighteen, not FIFA nineteen. FIFA nineteen is number seven. FIFA eighteen brought in seven hundred and ninety million. Well, because it was selling all year. Exactly. The- and number one in revenue for twenty eighteen, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. One thousand twenty-eight million dollars. I don't know. Why they just—it's weird numbering there, but yeah, one thousand twenty-eight million dollars for player on Battlegrounds. So people like to talk about PUBG as if it's desperately behind Call of Duty Black Ops Four, but it was the it was the highest earning Wait, premium 1, game. One
1: thousand million? Did you just say one thousand million? What's that's happened?
0: what they—that's what I said. That's they have that listed as that one thousand twenty-eight <laughs> okay. million. I think it's okay, just that I'm way. Sorry. It's all listed in millions. On this,
1: yeah, I guess, but it's you. like, yeah, number two, you. FIFA
0: is seven hundred ninety million, and unknown yeah. Battlegrounds is 128 million, one hundred twenty-eight million, a thousand twenty-eight million, sorry. Um, okay. So yeah, this just okay, proves okay. that like PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds is still making tons of money and it's still chugging along, and technically it's number two behind Fortnite because Black Ops Four is number four. So mm. it just it's people forget how popular PUBG is just because it's not talked about as often, but it's still huge um, in its own right. Absolutely. Uh, next p- bit of quickie news uh, This is something that kind of got me stoked So uh, dur- During the end of 2018 we talked about how Lady Gaga was tweeting about Playing Bayonetta And that was actually really cool to hear about Whether you're a big fan of Lady Gaga or not Just hearing a superstar like that talking about playing Bayonetta Right? Whoa! should I call
1: it that she's going to play Bayonetta In the movie adaptation And then like be a prophet right now Jared Should I do that?
0: Got it right for her performance in the third remake of uh, Star is Born. The movie's been remade so many times, it's crazy. Oh, is that not
1: an original movie?
0: No, it was made in the 20s, then it was made in the 50s, then the 70s, and then now.
1: And this is the same, like, it's not just the
0: same name? No, it is the same movie, beat for beat. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, it's known for being like the number, like the most remade movie, but it's always like a, so an award like winner Star every Wars time Wars it's made. Seven. <laughs> uh, what do you mean by that? It
1: was a joke. It's just a bad joke.
0: Okay, <laughs> completely lost me. Because it's like a, it's like a
1: remake of A New Hope.
0: Uh, I got you. Funny, yeah. yeah. This, yeah. Um, it's like the new Ghostbusters. Um. Yeah. Anyways, the the quickie news story uh, is that Ariana Grande. Uh, went on this Twitter spree oh, yeah. talking about playing uh, Let's Go Eevee for like 15 hours straight. Um, which is crazy, because she never really talks about, she's a huge pop star, um, but she never really talks about playing video games. Um, and she was just like, yeah, I had a off yesterday, and I played Pokemon for 15 hours straight, no joke. Which is like, oh, it's crazy, Aria Granda plays Pokemon, yada, yada, yada. And then the next Did day... I she- have
1: to say that it saddens me so much to know that this is so many people's introduction to actual Pokemon, and I know that maybe they wouldn't have gotten into it if it hadn't been for the Let's Go format, but it, it just crushes
0: Well, me. this wasn't her first Pokemon game. She talks about she's been playing Pokemon. Not even her, but, like,
1: she's going to mention it, and then people and, are yeah. be like, oh, I should play Pokemon now. It's like, oh,
0: God. And then people are like, oh, that's not cute. this
1: one. Not this one.
0: And then the next day, she popped up having an Eevee tattoo. Now, it's not clear if it's, a f- like, a... Permanent tattoo. She has tattoos. Sure. She's not somebody that doesn't have sure. tattoos. But people are unsure if it's like a temporary tattoo or if it's a permanent yeah. tattoo. Um, but she did have a an EV tattoo. tattoo. God, henna, right? What are they called? Henna. <laughs> <laughs> Different word. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I'm going to call them now. I don't want to see a hentai EV tattoo. No, thank you. Rule 34. Gross. Oh, you went there. You said it on me. Uh, yeah. Uh, last bit of quickie news. Uh, this happened over the holiday break and we never really got to it. Um, so the PS4 has now sold over 91.6 million units. So nice. I want to apologize to Dom that I was an idiot and oh. said it wouldn't reach 100 million. Um, it, was, it was just dumb hubris. What Wait, I will over say. Over
1: the course of lifetime or just.
0: Yeah, but this was like when we started the podcast, Jordan. This was like a long time ago. I'm not saying I was dumb for saying it. I'm just saying it was a long time ago that I said the dumb statement. I um What I will say, and I will argue this, and maybe we'll look back in two years and they'll sound just as dumb, but people are like, oh, yeah, Probably. it's easily going to pass PS2's $150 million. And I had to say not a chance in hell, especially mm-hmm. with next-gen right on the way. I think it will easily clear $100 million. I was stupid for ever saying that. Yeah. And I will yeah. always admit when I'm wrong, very wrong. <laughs> You're a um, real
1: piece of garbage, Jared. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, who does that? Uh, not in Trump's America. Um, but reaching 150 million units, I think, is kind of unrealistic, right? Um, I think it'll be like, huh, okay, so lifetime. I think 120 So let's look at this ish. turning into a legacy
1: console, Jared, right? Yeah. They just now stopped manufacturing PS3s recently, within the last year. I think, but this
0: right? isn't backwards compatible.
1: I'm just saying, probably going to manufacture a PS4 until 2022. Yeah. Right? Uh, 2023. I don't think it'll go to 2024. I think I'll even say, yeah, 2023 is when they'll stop. So...
0: In four years.
1: By that point, I think it could really be pushing 150. I think, oh, you know... A hundred teens, hundred seventeen is more likely, but you never know. Going towards a hundred or twenty twenty two, when this thing is dirt cheap and you know people are buying like really good games for five ten bucks, uh, you know who knows.
0: I think at the its highest, I think it hits one twenty five, and the reason I say that is because. With next gen right around the corner, we're already seeing sales kind of die down overall for a year. Obviously, it sells very well in spurts um, for like holiday or whatever, but over the course of a year, even their numbers are down year over year uh, for units mm-hmm. sold. And I believe in 2018 it sold like somewhere between like eight and eleven, somewhere in there. So if next gen, if next gen is Let's coming, just say it
1: sells five in 2019
0: then it won't even hit 100 million.
1: 96, right? Yeah. And then it sells another 5, let's just say 10 million over the next 2 years uh, heading into 2021. Here's the thing, I think it will and it'll... then you're at 100 million. Yeah, so I'm thinking it's probably going to land I'd say 117 million is not far off of where it'll land.
0: Yeah, I think it'll I think it'll for sure be above 115. My guess is yeah. around 125, but not near 150. Um, but who knows? It might have some crazy thing happen. I just... I don't see it reach... That's, like, way astronomical in terms of when we were looking at it selling 100 Jared, when it was at 77 or whatever.
1: I'm looking into my crystal ball, and do you know what I'm seeing?
0: What are you saying? Me saying I'm wrong? I'm
1: seeing... Uh, <laughs> it's possible. I'm seeing a game that could change the landscape, Jared. I'm seeing a game that taps into your...
0: Jack X Combat Racing
1: no dreams oh God. It taps into your dreams
0: <laughs> the crazy thing is i think whether ghost of tsushima or last of us part 2 come out this year i personally don't think either are i know it's a bit of a hot take mm. but mm. i think if one of those releases this year i think it'll hit 10 million units for the year i think if neither of them sell i think it'll probably still get like like around 7ish maybe um It just depends, because we don't really know. I don't think Days Gone is a console seller. I don't think it's going to spike the numbers in any way. Even
1: even games like Last of Us or Ghosts of Tsushima are going to be less of a console seller than they would have been earlier in the generation, because people just have fucking PS4s at this point, and so um, they're not buying them specifically for exclusives. They're buying them or have bought them because they were only $200 on Black Friday for the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean, my perspective was I only bought a PS3 for Last of Us, but that was different because the saturated market was Xbox 360. So at this point, yeah. it'd be like somebody... And I'm not saying they're the same quality. I'm not saying Gears a Five is going to be gamer.
1: You're gamer. You're going to... I would say in that situation, like you're probably... Um, you know, a unique circumstance, yeah. But unique circumstance. Yeah.
0: What I will say though is, say Gears Gears Five comes out and it's like a nine five ten, right? You caught it. Uh, Gears 5. Yeah, I don't think I don't see people, even if it gets stellar reviews, going and buying an uh, Xbox One to play that game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. where I bought a last uh, PS3 four Last of Us, just because yeah. going from the saturated market to buy the less saturated. I don't think a lot of people are going to do that.
1: It will yeah. be... Just looking at how this generation is going to end up and moving into the next one's going to be very interesting because these consoles are about to be dirt cheap, you know, and the games are already dirt cheap. There's already so many games that you could get under $20 right now if you bought a PS4. And, um, you know what they say, Jared, it's the best time to buy consoles at the end of the life cycle, so...
0: Well, and the, the crazy thing, too, is that... Um, sorry, I thought my phone was on silent. Uh, the crazy thing with the, like the consoles late in the generation is when you're looking at getting into the next generation of consoles, for me, there's already, before it's even been announced, and we know specs or launch titles, there's already inherent value for me in buying the next Xbox because oh. Legacy, just like there's already inherent value in you buying the next PlayStation, right? It's the your legacy. trophies... It's all of that. But with Xbox, and we've talked about this multiple times, is that the moment I buy the Xbox two, and we're assuming this and this is kind of the trajectory Phil Spencer's talked about, so though this isn't confirmed, I would eat my own tongue if this wasn't the case. Oh uh, but Jared, I don't know if I want you to do that, bud. You you'll <laughs> I think I this is all, all but confirmed that the next Xbox will be backwards compatible at launch. So therefore... Oh my
1: gosh, yeah. Who knows, honestly? Who the fuck knows about PlayStation but Xbox?
0: Absolutely. And the crazy thing is with that backwards compatibility, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like a light switch. Like, they had to... Mm -hmm. They're still releasing games in waves, right? Because it's a technology that they had to work on and build on. And I do think that even if PlayStation 5 does have backwards compatibility, I don't think it's a light switch either. So they're still going to have to build that out in some way, right? Maybe not exactly the same way as Xbox, but in some fashion. So buying that console, I immediately have access to whatever launch titles. Usually, there's a good one and some kind of like hardware polished. Like, look at how good this stuff is, but they're Forza. not great games. Uh, well, I guess Forza is a good game, though. I'm talking about like the Nax or like the Rise Sun of Rome's, right? For PlayStation. Oh, Xbox, I thought you were Trinity. talking
1: about like a, a not shiny the
0: showpiece. Eraser. No, I'm talking about like here's a game we made on the next. Generation Not necessarily good, not necessarily super pretty, but it's like a launch title. Um, uh, Kill Zone, Shadow Yeah, and Knack, and uh, Rise, Son of Rome, and all that. Yep, yep. Um, But with Xbox, you already have all of those backwards compatible things the moment you turn on the Xbox. So I already have games to play, which I think is inherent value. Mm. Um,
1: That's a big thing, man. It's going to be a big thing moving forward. Like We talked about pack it up and taking something forward uh, earlier and it's just like yeah if you can jump in and you know even backwards compatibility with accessories is big especially with families and um i think there's a lot you can do for the consumer there that will carry them over in the generation Excuse me, in the generation to come, and I think it's a really good way to do it, and I guarantee you, Xbox and Phil Spencer, Microsoft, those guys are about to
0: nail this. Dude, and then, if for every Xbox you purchase, you get, like, a free three-month or six-month of Game Pass, there's even more value, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I mean, isn't that a thing
1: already? Like, your console bundle will come with a little card for at least, not Game Pass, I mean, Xbox Live Gold, I guess, but yeah, still, there's there's a lot of enticing things, you know.
0: Yeah, and it's not, I'm not saying I'm not gonna get a PlayStation Five, but like, off the bat, barring some catastrophic thing, I mean, 2013 was pretty catastrophic for Xbox, and I still bought one. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking. For, I think I'll buy the Xbox first. I'll eventually get the PlayStation. But um, yeah, who knows? It's gonna it's gonna be crazy. I'm excited. I always love this. It's it's scary, but it's also like really awesome to see what they're designing. And yeah, can't wait. Okay, let's so this.
1: let's say percentage real quick. Percentage chance. That, um, y- let's say you go with Microsoft and I'll go with Sony. Percentage okay. chance that they, uh, have a Switch esque, a Switch like console that you can take and go, and that's their one thing that they have.
0: Uh, so well, I
1: guess we know they're gonna have more than one thing, like Microsoft's gonna have their little streaming box or whatever, but you like their main thing is gonna be like the Switch. What's the percentage chance
0: for either of them? I say it's... You can choose, yeah. I say it's 0.5% for Xbox, and I think it's 2% for PlayStation.
1: <laughs> wow. I could see a little bit higher with PlayStation, but yeah, it's, I definitely don't see it with Xbox. I think oh, they no. already have a better, a clearer idea of what they're uh, looking at doing. They would have already tried some
0: done. type of handheld if they, they wanted to even try that, right? Yeah. By this point. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's kind of weird that they haven't ever done that and i know people say that a lot but just thinking that they never jumped in then again it's it's a difficult market but to be in so i understand
0: hearing that. them talk they want you to have, be able to stream xbox games on your ipad and use your bluetooth xbox controller like that's the future they want they don't want to make their own handheld device on you know their what I mean? app yeah exactly yeah. let's get to these big these three beefy news stories um we should be able to get to all three of them i think we'll we have a lip- beef so, first off, EA cancels the open-world Star Wars game. So, this is by Jason Trier over at Kotaku.
1: here's one of them partnerships that ain't going so well, Jerry. And I actually
0: have a bit of a hot take on this one. And you'll hear me um, out when we're done.
1: I got your bun right here.
0: <laughs> so, EA has canceled their open-world Star Wars game being developed by EA Vancouver. That was announced alongside the closure of Visceral Games on October 17th, 2017. So, remember that when they closed Visceral Games, and we found out about Ragtag and Amy Hennig's game and all that... We found that they were converting it to an open world game. I think originally we thought it was being worked on carried by Motive. Yeah, we originally thought it was being worked on by Motive because we still don't know what Motive's doing. But it was actually EA Vancouver that was working on it all that time. And Schreier went on to update his article with information that the game was canceled in favor of a smaller project with a quicker turnaround time for EA Vancouver. Basically, what he stated is people at the company were saying that this open world game, because they only use some of the assets from the ragtag game. I mean, turning a linear, Uncharted-like game into an open-world experience. There's a lot of work that has to be done there. And people forget that EA Vancouver was kind of like the ancillary studio that helped everyone else. They've never really made their own game. Um, so <laughs> if only they, we had Visceral to do Exactly. That. So they wanna they wanted a quicker turnaround for a game, and we'll get into this later, but probably because they've only released two Star Wars games in five years. But sources at oh. the company also said that uh, no one was laid off, which is also positive whenever you talk about EA news, you never know. And um, that the internal belief is actually pretty positive um, that after they finish this smaller scope project that they're, they're gonna return to the open world game. So it's not like it was like assets were destroyed or whatever, it's like the the belief in the company was that they're moving to a smaller project for a quicker turnaround time and after that's done, they think they're gonna get back to the open world game. Obviously we don't know if that's okay. gonna happen, but that's internal belief.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: this is just. Next up, let me. I'm gonna get through this, and we'll have it's a c-
1: still a clusterfuck. Still a clusterfuck.
0: So after the cancellation of Amy Hennig's Ragtag and this open world project, fans are wondering what the state of Star Wars games are at EA. Um, we have Respawn's Jedi Fallen Order, which is scheduled for fall 2019. I'm personally excited for it because I'm excited from the Respawn perspective, not necessarily the way EA has handled Star Wars. All that gameplay
1: footage we've seen.
0: <laughs> yeah. How weird is that? And you know that's, like, an EA thing of, like, don't show... Games, whatever. Um, so, despite Jade Raymond's departure from EA Motive, we also don't know what they're working on. Still don't know. Remember, she left late last year. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, that gets me worried, because I'm like, maybe she was trying to... Because she has a legacy, especially with Assassin's Creed. OG AC, which we love. Maybe she was getting forced into something she didn't want to make as a, as a creative right. Maybe that's why she left. Who knows? But it's still... Worrisome when a lead leaves. Amy Hennig now her, Um, and now we don't know what EA Vancouver's smaller scope project is, which um, according to Jason Trier is planned to come out in 2020. So that's like, oh man, that must be a really small scope project. What is that going to be? But to close out, EA signed a 10-year exclusivity deal with Star Wars for the license, well technically with Disney, in 2013, and has only released two games in its first five years of the deal. Star Wars Battlefront 1 and 2, right? We're going to get into the conversation real quick. My hot take on this is I think people are flabbergasted and upset that this game got canceled. Jason Chirer even talked about it. It was called Project Orca, and it was still very early. This game, I don't think, was even close. Like, I think this game was still four or five years off. From everything I read, how early they were in development, um, the fact that EA wanted a quicker turnaround. That being said, has EA mismanaged Star Wars, 100%. Do they not know what they're doing, or at least it seems like that? 100%. But my hot take on this is I don't think we're in a worse place for them canceling this specific project because I still don't think we would have got this project for four or five years. You know what I mean?
1: Maybe, but, maybe, but it just sends us further down the rabbit hole I think, you know. Well,
0: and. We So, the way I look at it is we still have Respawn's Jedi Fallen Order. am not saying it's necessarily a net positive. We still don't know what the game looks like but we have a project for this year we're assuming battlefront 3 at some point right it's kind of assumed at least by next year would the cadence be next year would it be 2020 yeah. mm-hmm. 2019
1: right? well or 20 i'm sorry uh, so battlefield came out last
0: year right yeah but we know fallen orders coming out this year so th- it's not going every 2 true. years so i guess true, it would be true, next true, true, true. year um we're assuming Battlefront at some point, right? We don't know what Motive's project is. Honestly, we don't even know if Motive Pro- Motive's project is Star Wars. We assume it is. But um, I I, I understand people being worried for Star Wars with EA. I don't think that... For me, this the cancellation of this open world game doesn't move the needle. It's still worrisome, but it doesn't take me outlandishly worried. I'm still, like, wor... You know what I mean? Like, if it's a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being, like... Absolutely devastated, worried. I'm at like a seven and a half. This didn't move the needle to an eight. It's just like, this game is like five years away. It just doesn't, you know, eh. Yeah, it just
1: sucks we're not playing something cool right now, you know. It sucks that we're not playing a cool campaign. Uh, it sucks that we're not playing a cooler Mass Effect campaign in Andromeda, you know. And, um, what you I was, what s- else, Jared? It sucks... I heard more revisionist history about fucking
0: Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh <laughs> it
1: sucks. that people can't get that out of their fucking brains.
0: That bothers me so much. I get, I get the Arthur meme fist, dude. I get so mad. Um, you know what? I'll just go ahead and say
1: it was Michael Huber on the Easy Allies podcast, friend of the show. But I'm gonna have to say he was saying uh, how you know problems with the EA, and then mentioned that. You know, both Dragon Age and Mass Effect, their most recent entries were not very good or like shaky or whatever, something along those lines. And I'm like, people forget that fucking everybody loved Inquisition the fucking year it came out, and then all of a sudden they just fucking hated and it. And
0: the thing that bothers me too is people don't understand that like Bi- Bioware and the team that made Mass Effect Andromeda are two different teams. Like the Bioware Andromeda team was a rookie team I'm not saying that's an excuse, but, like, it is a different team, right?
1: Yeah, that was more of a mismanaged EA situation. Yeah. And this is just, like, a people mixing up history for whatever reason. You know, it happens in the Internet where things get misconstrued really easily, and then it can happen over a uh, wide swath. So uh, that sucks, but, you know.
0: What I will say is I like to try to find optimism in every story, right? I don't like to be very pessimistic or... And on a negative note, the optimist in me says that this Star Wars thing that's happened with EA, I think, obviously, Star Wars and Marvel are both owned by Disney. I wonder if this, going the way it had, kind of, like, let Disney greenlight Marvel's approach. I think Marvel was like, hey, we want to find specific creators to make specific games. And Disney, who's more for, like, the licensing, right, we've seen that with a lot of their IP, they were maybe looking at the Star Wars thing and being like, they're, I think they're kinder to that approach. And they're like, let's green light it, Marvel. You can do whatever the hell you want to do Marvel games. So the optimist to me is like, this really bad Star Wars situation is the reason we have Spider-Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? The optimist in me wants to believe that. That like, as bad as this is, is gone, you know, that's what I want to believe. Whether that's uh, true or not. Well,
1: I want to believe that... You know, unfortunately, we could have, but I want to believe that in the near, hopefully, near enough future, we'll be getting Spider-Man tier Star Wars games. That would be nice.
0: Here's what I want to say: if if Respawn's Jedi Fallen Order doesn't come out this year, no, that's not a good bet because it might just get delayed. Who knows? If Respawn's Jedi Fallen Order doesn't review like really positively, so I'm saying on average right, right. above eighty, okay if that's safe I will make 85 I will make a point to I'll watch the I'll I'll watch the uh, prequel trilogy and I don't really like those movies I'll watch the prequel trilogy again no one does um, in order I
1: say it has to get above an 85 Metacritic and I don't like that that's kind of the barometer but unfortunately it is if it's not above that then people are going to flip and I say if it is, what do you think, Jared? Does that turn it around and people... I mean, obviously people aren't just going to forgive and forget totally with EA. They've mucked up so I think
0: they need two point solid point. releases back-to-back. I don't think...
1: Right. The,
0: the thing for me is yeah. if Jedi Fallen Order comes out and is great, I think it does way more for solidifying respawn for the quality they have and the quality that's kind of been overlooked with Timefall because EA doesn't sure. know when to release it and they give them really shitty timelines for that. I do think, you think it'll. They should have do- just
1: done a Star Wars game instead of Titanfall Two. No,
0: I I think the Titanfall 10, Two campaign was great. Um, sure. I mean, in hindsight, you could be like, well, if they didn't do Titanfall Two, we could have gotten a great Star Wars game earlier. Possibly We'd be playing that by now.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: but I do think I I I'm glad Titanfall Two exists. To your point, though, if Jedi Fallen Order comes out and reviews well, I think it'll at least be positive. I think it'll be the highest reviewed out of the three. That being Battlefront One, Two, and this. But yeah. I do think it, it definitely they need a win with an 85+. plus. Um, it'll do more for Respawn. A follow-up project that reviews very well will do more for EA. I think they need to hit two in a row. Yeah. I, the way things are stacked against EA, uh, I don't think one good release or even great release of a Star Wars game will do anything for people.
1: It just it wouldn't be that hard to make a good Star Wars campaign, dude. Like, you guys do it with Battlefield. How the fuck?
0: And one thing I will say, another is hot take, hard? people love the unleashed games. I don't think they hold up very much. I'm just oh, saying
1: people do not love the Force Unleashed games. People I think are so hard on those. From what I've Especially read, people the
0: one. I guess the perspective I've read is people who are like find nostalgia in it. I don't know. The Star Wars fans what, based that in general. People are just yearning
1: is, for a halfway decent Star Wars game is what that is.
0: Yeah. Let's get to this next speaking of uh, yearning for things that are half baked. Yearn. Um Randy Pitchford is getting sued, so Yikes. we've talked about Ad nauseum on this podcast, me and you specifically, about how we feel that Gearbox has been mismanaging the Borderlands IP, and the way they've been become a publisher doesn't seem very good for the company in terms of uh, monetary gain, right? We've gone on Ad nauseum about that. Sure. Well, turns out Randy Pitchford is getting sued by a former Gearbox lawyer and council member, Wade Callender, for allegedly taking a secret $12 million bonus as an advance for Borderlands profits that would normally go to the Gearbox staff. Um, this is a huge allegation, obviously, because he's taking money out of his employees' mouths. Um, and Gearbox is countersuing, alleging that Callender has an unpaid loan and mismanagement and mismanaged uh, company card. So they're countersuing him, right? Now, Along with the secret bonus, another accusation in the lawsuit has surfaced against Randy Pitchford. And it alleges that a uh, Pitchford had a lost USB drive in t- 2014 in Dallas, Texas at um, Medieval Times. That restaurant, that medieval restaurant. And Not the
1: type of USB drive you want to be losing, am I right, Jared? <laughs> well,
0: funny enough, and maybe not funny enough, some kid yeah. found it, popped it in his computer. Turns, turns out it had secrets... Uh, pub- secrets for uh, Gearbox's uh, publishing stuff, it had secrets for upcoming games, and all of their private information in there, and it also had some of Randy Pitchford's adult content. Uh, had underage pornography, allegedly. There's a follow-up to this that I'll get to. So in a podcast that went live the day after the Jeez, lawsuit I'm surfaced sorry. publicly, Pitchford went on this tribe talking about the whole story, and how the video actually featured a barely legal cam girl who he paid to, like, do stuff and then record it, right? So there could be a misconfusion there. So came
1: out and was like, oh, no. It was just a really teen-looking girl.
0: Yeah, and then he hey. talked about her being, like, a magician, not a second. It's, it's gross. It's gross. The world we live in. So it's basically, it could possibly so be. So he wasn't even, like, he didn't even. He was like, guys, it's fine. Exactly. He's like, it's it's legal porn. And it's like, that's half of the problem, Pitchford. So, yeah. Um, who knows if that was true or not? If he's just kind of covering himself, who knows, right? If he isn't, that's awful.
1: So we don't even know. There may have been actual child pornography on there.
0: Or it was just some some kid looking at it and thinking because they looked so young, he misconstrued it as it being illegal okay. when it was actually legal, okay. right? Still weird, but legal. Um, gotcha. So there's a follow-up to this. So after all of this surfaced, the former VP of marketing at Gearbox, David Eddings, uh, for reference, he worked there from 2003 to 2017 before having a fallout with Randy Pitchford. He tweeted Jared Schreier,
1: am I over here? Am he, I right?
0: He tweeted, yes, it's true, right, in quotations. He, he didn't have a quotation. I'm telling you this is written in quotations. <laughs> um, yes, it's true. And so people read this and they're like, well, what does this mean? Yes, it's true to all of it, to some of it. And Eddings clarified in a following tweet, Liar? Yes. Con man? Yes. Pervert? No idea. So basically he clarified and said that like, the whole $12 million bonus thing is 100% true, and he's just known for being a con man, but the pervert thing he had no idea about, right? The child pornography thing. Now, there were other rumblings that when, remember when we reported on Randy Pitchford apparently having an assistant that embezzled money from him? Turns out that might have been actually made up by Randy Pitchford, so people didn't go looking for the money that he took when people weren't looking.
1: Jared, I'll tell you what he's been buying. Oh, God. Ugly shirts. God. Have you seen the shirts that this man wears? Yeah. Ugly shirts. Very expensive ugly shirts is what he's been buying.
0: Here's the thing. Who knows if the child pornography stuff is real or not? You know what I mean? I kind of don't want to focus on that just because of the follow-ups we've heard from people. The con man stuff, the stealing money, that on its own is bad, right? Stealing money from your employees for for profits for a game they made. I don't see this ending positively for Randy Pitchford in any way. I think that by the end, by by 2020, I don't think Randy Pitchford will be associated with Gearbox anymore you think they're strong enough to withstand him? It's tough, man. I don't... Because we've talked about their publishing... Like, what we perceive as publishing issues. I could see Pitchford leaving, and I could see them getting picked up by a Microsoft or an... A- the thing with Activision, dude, and we'll get to this in the next story, is that they love monetizing games, and Borderlands, with all of its emphasis on guns, I could totally see them monetizing well, but- the hell out of that.
1: They're already with 2K, right? Or Take-Two, I should say.
0: Um, Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying in terms of like, I think with Gearbox now, they're with them, but they do have creative control, right? Sure. I do think that maybe if Pitchford leaves and there's some shakiness there, I think maybe Activision uh, or Take-Two uh, 2K would be like, hey, we need to make sure we return a profit on this. You know what I mean? So.
1: Yeah, it just it sucks mostly that, from a gaming perspective, that Borderlands has been so mishandled. You know, their other properties are not of much interest to me, but the whole Borderlands situation sucks once again. Like Star Wars, that we're not playing an awesome uh, Borderlands and, three. I mean, is Borderlands three? You know, is Borderlands gonna skip having an actual game on you know like the PlayStation uh, for an Xbox generation? one? Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, the one thing I will say is Obviously this whole like pornography thing came out And people are like, oh, I always knew it. he looked weird Which tends to happen <laughs> with people They're like, in hindsight The thing I will say in terms of the $12 million secret bonus Randy Pitchford has always seemed like an a-hole We've heard stories If you follow the gaming industry People talk about how much of an a-hole he is You know what I mean? So, kind of the proof is in the pudding there um, did you watch the recent uh, Half-Life documentary that Noclip did, heavily featuring Randy Pitchford? Uh, nah, I've never been interested in Half-Life, so it didn't really, I didn't, it didn't catch me.
1: Dude, I just fucking love Noclip. That's what I'm, like, I watch documentaries about shit I could care less about. <laughs> like, yeah. Final Fantasy XIV, okay, here we go. Um, I thought like, you what, had a follow a up to follow-up to Randy Pitchford being in it. Three-part series for Final Fantasy Fourteen.
0: I don't know. No clips the shit. I love it. Um, let's go to our, na- our next story here. Um, you know, beef. we talked about Randy Pitchford possibly getting a divorce from Gearbox, forcibly, probably. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about another divorce that happened. Bungie and Activision. This came out of nowhere. Mm. Unless you were paying attention. Yeah, so, did it? After rumors started swirling, Bungie announced on their own site that they would be splitting from Activision and would become fully independent. Uh, their partnership was made in 2010 on the belief that their new Destiny IP would be a 10-year commitment between Bungie and Activision. Uh, Kotaku's Jason Schreier stated that according it's a to a 10-year su-
1: game, remember exactly support Destiny for 10 years, the one game, Jared.
0: <laughs> well, no, they said it was it, not a 10-year game. They said it was a 10-year like experience with your character or something that like your character from the beginning will transfer to the end. Which never really Which came to fruition because in Destiny 2 you don't really get anything from Destiny 1 outside of like some badges. Um, so Kotaku's Jason Trier stated that according to his sources there have been disagreements between the two companies even before the release of the original Destiny. Remember we've talked about this numerous times. That like ever since even before the release of the first game they've butted heads because Bungie wanted more creative control and Activision wanted more monetary gain. And we heard the story that apparently the whole most of the game was scrapped a year before its release, because uh, Bungie didn't like the campaign that they kind of were forced into making.
1: Um, That's why the original campaign is like a few hours long and doesn't, you know, barely makes any sense, barely any actual story content there, and um, a lot of turmoil before this game came out, around the release, and even now after it's had, it's lots of ups and downs.
0: And apparently Bungie didn't really like the delivery cadence for DLC either, where it's like two in the fall and then like one big one the following year or whatever. Um, So it seemed that Activision's need for profit often got in the way of Bungie's creative ambitions. This leads me to some questions I want to talk about with you. So first off, what does this mean for Bungie moving forward? Um, This means that they're independent. This means that they'll have full creative control. Um, But people have to realize that this means that they don't have the backing of a major publisher as of now, who knows if they partner with somebody else but people have to understand that Bungie was given a lot of investment from Activision Um, Vicarious Visions handled Destiny 2 on PC so if Destiny 3 comes out on PC they're going to have to learn how to port it because they didn't even do it for Destiny 2 Um, and if you remember Bungie never ported games for Xbox to PC because Halo was never on PC so they don't have Mm -hmm. experience with that at all um, not to say that they can't do it, but it is something that they're going to have to figure out how to do in the future. Um, I do think them not having Activision's financial backing, I think people have to understand that Destiny three, or Destiny moving forward, is going to be different. I think that you might not see necessarily the big the big level polish that you're ex- you're assuming. I think the scope really? you're going to, ha- oh yeah, hundred percent. I think the scope you're going to have to assume is going to be smaller too. Um, I don't think just. think they've made enough money on their own. Oh, not even close, dude. If Activision's splitting from them, I don't think Destiny is necessarily as profitable as people think it is. It's an expensive game to make, man. Expensive. Sure, sure. Um, I'm not yeah. saying it's going to turn into a double-A game. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that people have to understand that their <clears throat> delivery cadence for DLC is going to be entirely different. Um, I guess for their benefit because they didn't like it. I just think that people are going to have to adjust their expectations if they don't partner up with another big publisher. We don't know. Destiny 3 could be announced and they partner with some other big publisher, right? But as it sits, I think people have to understand that things are going to be different for Bungie, especially Destiny 2. Like, it's People are so excited and jumping off the wall like, yeah, they broke away from Activision. Some of the mistakes that happened with Destiny 2 and Destiny weren't Activision. Some of them were, but some of them were also Bungie's decision, right? Not all of the problems that Destiny has or had were Activision's fault. So I understand why people are positive on it, but I do think that people need to understand where Bungie sits now. What do you think about all of it?
1: I mostly agree with what you're saying, absolutely. I think that it's going to be a tough road. Uh, out there but certainly something that they could uh, take to another publisher it's absolutely viable in that sense Um, other than that I would say that I'm sure they're going to work on other stuff as well you know and they're a pretty sizable studio but um, it's going to be a uh, something interesting to watch, I would say, because um, if nothing else is, it's a big franchise. You know, Bungie or not Bungie, Destiny is uh, something that people clamor for, um, even if it's not gigantic uh, in the in the future. I still think it'll be around.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I what what goes through my mind. Is how is their platform going to change? Um, is there a world where we where we see Destiny three come out and it's thirty dollars instead of sixty dollars, and it's a different kind of service that they provide? Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's that's the one thing that I'm most interested in um, is what they decide to do with their pricing model and their structure. Um, there's a possibility that they could go free-to-play with the next Destiny, and they could change up the complete right. way that they distribute it. Who knows? We live in a different world now. So, yeah. Um, I am cautiously optimistic. I just think that there's a lot of people who are blindly over-the-top optimistic because, oh, they've broken off from the evil corporation that is Activision. And that is great, and I do think having creative freedom is amazing for people in an industry where your creative mind kind of dictates what you can accomplish but there are a lot of things that activision also provided and there's a lot of things that bungie made in terms of decisions on their own that destiny 3 could come out and still have some issues that people have had with destiny for the last six years right um yeah i don't know it's it came out of nowhere this is obviously it's happened twice for bungie now which is like i know we like to be on the air on the side of uh positivity for the developer, but like they separated from Microsoft and now they're separating from Activision. I'm not saying it's necessarily their fault, but they're the ones who also agree to these partnerships. So maybe they need to take a look at themselves and be like, maybe we don't go for the quick big dollar anymore. You know what I mean? And that's like, well, then do they sign with another publisher and they're the hamstrung creatively again? They got a hundred million dollars from NetEase Who's known for mobile games and these other experiences? Who's to say that their next game isn't influenced by NetEase? You know? Who knows? NetEase! We'll see. But, Activision. So, I know I was... I didn't want to seem like a corporate apologist there. Obviously, being partnered with Activision... You
1: fucking monkey suit wearing son of a bitch.
0: I know people love to hate EA... For me, I actually dislike Activision a lot more than EA, and that's just my own personal opinion, mm. because of the way they delay macro transactions on Call of Duty and a lot of the scummy stuff they do. Um, not to say EA doesn't do They're scummy stuff.
1: They're more quietly scummy. EA is not as good about getting away with their schemes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, with Activision, I agree. I think people often forget how scummy Activision is. Um, they purchased Blizzard, and people were worried, like, what was going to happen to Blizzard, right? Because Blizzard was this company that was kind of like CD Projekt Red in a lot of ways. Obviously way bigger scale. But like a close connection with their fans and their community. Beloved games. They listened to their community and the feedback. And they built these awesome worlds that people loved. Let's talk about this cataclysmic split between Bungie and Activision. It happened during the same time or during the same couple of weeks that the industry has seen some strange activity at the top of Activision Blizzard. They've seen the departure of their CEO and CFO... As well as blizzard's former president there have been rumblings of layoffs and budget reductions inside activision blizzard people are worried right there's budget cuts people are getting laid off this was happening at the same time and met with criticism because their newly appointed cfo dennis durkin received 15 million dollars for his appointment to the position so, the company, people working Don't you at Blizzard... not get $15 million when you walk through a door, Jared? <laughs> people at Blizzard like, so you're telling me all these people are going to lose their jobs, people have committed their lives to making Blizzard what it was, and you appoint this guy to CFO and he gets $15 million, and we're talking about budget reductions? People were pissed off. Deservedly so. Remember, ever since Blizzard's ac- acquisition of by Activision, fans have wor- been worried that their beloved company would morph into something they no longer recognized. We kind of saw that last year with the recent Diablo Immortal debacle where they announced this mobile game and people were like, is it coming to other platforms? And they responded on stage by saying, what, you guys don't have phones? Like, who who says that? Obviously, they they were a little bit entitled uh, in terms of, like, the fans, but bad response. Um, People have been worried about, you know, World of Warcraft, the way Activision is, this divorce with Bungie came out of nowhere. What if tomorrow we find out that... World of Warcraft is getting shut down by the end of 2019, or in a month. You know how crazy that would be for fans of Blizzard that this thing has been running for 10, year, almost 10 years, is go- is going to be gone. You know, more than 10 years. I don't remember when World of Warcraft came out. Yeah, like 15 years, maybe, 2014 years. Yeah. It's just fans of Blizzard have been seeing their their franchises diminish in the hands of Activision. Activision is seeing some crazy turnover at the top in terms of people leaving. They're talking about layoffs and budget reductions and giving somebody $15 million for walking into the door. People have a right to be worried about Activision Blizzard, I think. Um, Yeah. I just... I, I understand why people dislike EA. I get it. But Activision is... I don't know. For me, EA is, like, the person that tries to, like, grab the dollar that's hanging out of your back pocket. Activision is the person... I guess EA is the person that would tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, dude, you had a dollar hanging out of your pocket. I took it. Activision is the person that sees you drop your wallet and is your friend and then takes your wallet and never tells you that they got it and spent your money. I don't know. It just...
1: Or he's I like, hey, man, I'm I glad this I'm not a huge fan of Blizzard hanging products. out of your back pocket
0: <laughs> sorry yeah. um I'm glad I'm not a huge fan of Blizzard because I couldn't imagine what being a fan of all those franchises is like knowing that this company bought your company or merged with them and is just making everything worse you know hmm. so yeah. What do you think about all of this, about the budget cuts and rumblings of layoffs, the bonus, all that?
1: Um, once again, agree with what you're saying, and I just think that um, I was thinking about the, I guess it's Soteland that was leaving EA, and they were talking about his gigantic salaries. Um, I, ju- I don't understand why they're just throwing unseemly amounts of money at these people. Uh, when they could be putting a little bit more into their games and um, doing a lot for not only the player but also themselves and the the way of goodwill that's gonna extend their prosperity further into the future.
0: Yeah. We so we went a little long with these beefy news stories, so I don't want to go too long on what we've been what we're gonna be playing. For me, like I said, DMC5 demo, uh, I want to get to the Spider-Man DLC and uh, probably mess around with some other stuff um, I want to try to go see Glass too I'm hearing not great things in terms of reviews, but I still am interested in seeing it yeah. so, what about you?
1: Um, so I do want to give a shout out I recently rewatched the Blade Runner movies I think I mentioned that and so I just jumped back into the Blade Runner Blackout 2022 anime short uh, that is done by the creator of Uh, Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo a couple of my favorites and it's just really well done Um, the music is done by Flying Lotus and uh, the visuals and the story the characters it's all uh, really really well done so um, I just wanted to give that a shout out and um, I'll be playing um, some Bayonetta hopefully on my Switch maybe some Smash Bros um, some Red Dead on the PS4 um, still getting hyped for that Kingdom Hearts though, baby
0: awesome, thank you guys for listening if you can, please follow us on iTunes leave us a review, it definitely helps um, subscribe to us on YouTube, like the video uh, if you're if you're watching this on YouTube, that'd be great uh, to like the video as well, smash that bell icon so you know when we're making you upload um, you can follow us on Twitter at CTRLINT, that's Controlled Interest Abbreviated, I'm at Jared underscore Jordan is a Melamodus. Um, Yeah, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back in episode 130. uh, And hopefully Dom will be back from his uh, birthday masquerade at the age of 45. The ripe old age. Um, Yeah, thank you guys for listening.